Welcome to LinkedIn Smart, a podcast revealing secrets to success on LinkedIn. Each week, we interview one remarkable person willing to share their best strategies. So sit down, relax, and enjoy the interview. Here is our host, Vitek Ladislav. He's providing LinkedIn training and consultancy since 2009 as one of the first Dutch entrepreneurs and trained over 10,000 professionals. He's experienced LinkedIn and social selling trainer. His name is Richard van der Blom. So Richard, thank you very much uh, for joining us today on our episode of LinkedIn Smart Podcast. It's, um, it's a pleasure to have you here. <clears throat> My pleasure, Vitek. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> Richard, um, I know you've been on LinkedIn you know, a, a long, long time. Um, but please, can you tell us what was the, the first impression and how have your love for LinkedIn started? Oh, that, that's an interesting question. Um, I was working in 2005 with a temporary agency uh, company in Holland. Uh, and I just started to work in my sales role when um, um, we had a sales training from an American guy. Um, and after the first day, uh, after the meal in the evening, we were just standing at the bar and we were discussing networking and how, you know, sales, the life of a salesman looks. And then he told me, um, you, you know, just have a look on this site, LinkedIn.com because I think it's going to be big and it's going to be huge potential. So I remember signing up somewhere May 2005 on LinkedIn, which of course at that time was not at all the platform it was now. It was just like a digital Rolodex or something. You could build a profile. That was it. You know, you could share your business card, but you could not post news. There were no companies. There were no groups, nothing. So I signed up. I started to invite my colleagues and some people I knew from study and nobody would respond, nobody. So I thought, okay, maybe it's not a time, maybe this guy is not right. So I closed my account again. And next year, 2006, I signed up for volunteer assignment in Tanzania in Africa. So I left this company, I went to Africa. I took my laptop, obviously. And in November, 2006, um, I signed up again. And I noticed that at that moment, just one year later, there was a lot of more like activity. So I signed up, I started to invite people. Um, I started some chatting with people. And eventually one month later, I got myself a job through LinkedIn already uh, to go back to Holland. So originally I, I signed up in 2005, but I started using it since 2006. Um, then in 2009, I was asked by a former colleague to start up a business together and to provide sales training to entrepreneurs, freelance and salespeople. And at that point I thought, you know, I had been working for like 10 years in marketing and sales uh, job titles and I thought, okay, why not? So we started this business and what we discovered is that a lot of entrepreneurs and salespeople, they don't like to sell this stuff. They don't like to reach out to people via cold calling, emailing, they like to, you know, go into depth about their services and products, but they don't like like the first two, three steps, you know. So we noticed a lot of people who we were actually training in sales, they didn't like to do the sales activities. And then we both had a look at LinkedIn and we thought, okay, what if you start using LinkedIn to leverage your network 
um, to share valuable insights um, and in doing so, create a pool to your services. Mm. So we did that for our own business for three months. We immediately got some great results. And then we thought, okay, why wouldn't we start the first LinkedIn training agency of Holland? So that's what we started in 2009. And a few moments, no, a few months later, we were called by one of the big national banks in Holland, ING Bank. And they said, we uh, are inviting five companies to provide sales training, but we are looking for something authentic, something new. So there we were, two guys. Um, we had all our competitors were bigger companies. And we choose not to provide a regular sales training, but to go completely through LinkedIn. So we presented four or five sales training modules, but completely tuning in and we got a job. And then it started very quickly because as from 2010, 2011, especially in Holland and the UK in America and the United States, a lot of people jumped on the platform. And mm. um, so that's where it took off actually. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> incredible, incredible story. Uh, yeah. Two guys starting, starting basically from, from nothing, but um, you had, yeah, you had, you had a great results uh, straight from the beginning and I, I really like that and I actually when I was reading your bio on, on LinkedIn you mentioning some of some of those uh, you know big clients which you had but uh, obviously uh, back then in 2008-2009 the LinkedIn was still very very different platform um, yeah. what do you see you know, um, I mean how has these uh, strategies which you were teaching then and now how they have changed of course, the, the strategy has evolved because the platform is evolving, but it depends on the questions we get from our clients. Um, basically, from 2009 to 2012, the question was, what is LinkedIn and how can we use it? So it was, was more like pointing out what was the platform, what features, where to press which button. Those were the trainings. And then... I think from 2012, maybe to 2015, the question changed to, we have LinkedIn, but we don't know how to use it to optimize our sales strategy or our communication strategy, marketing, or even recruitment strategy. So the questions changed because people did sign up, um, company pages you know, became more and more popular. And as from 2015, 2016, especially in the more mature markets like Scandinavian, uh, Holland, UK, uh, United States, the question evolved again to, okay, we know how to use it. This is our sales strategy. This is our marketing strategy. But now we want to make the next step. So as from 2015, 2016, more and more questions came, for example, about uh, creating marketing campaigns, uh, using Sales Navigator. Mm -hmm. So it's actually that we follow the evolution of the platform and our clients do as well yeah. uh, and of course you have still you have some grow markets like for example the the Duff region you know germany austria because they have been seeing very long time it was a very strong um platform in this area so in 2016 2017 we would get the same questions from the Duff region we would have three four years before from the dutch or the uk clients or the united states clients so that, that's very interesting to see. And um, I think one of the major reasons why LinkedIn is evolving as, as fast as it is now is, of course, because it's been bought by Microsoft. 
mm-hmm. in 2000. I can't recall. I think 2016 somewhere. Um, and the reason why Microsoft bought it, of course, is because a very big part of the global working population is using Microsoft, is on LinkedIn. So um, they are looking for more and more synergy. Hmm. So, uh, so obviously the questions are changing because people are becoming more and more acquainted with LinkedIn. They are using it and now they want to optimize their strategy. Yeah, that's actually interesting. So you're basically following the trends which um, um, people, how, how people are using uh, LinkedIn, the platform. Um, and that brings me to another question which, we're, uh, which I would ask you, what do you think will be the next question which people will be asking? That's an interesting one because I, I, you know, I post my, I pose this question myself on a regular basis because I always want to be like one step ahead of the question that is coming. Um, I, I don't know. I, it, it's, I, I really don't know. Um, I have some scenarios. One of the scenario is that since LinkedIn is now doing a lot of research, a lot of product development in their paid solutions, is that the ones that are not paying for LinkedIn you know, the ones that are making use of the free service are maybe getting fed up with the platform because they see more and more advertisements, they see more and more in-mails, they see more and more. So I even heard in, in Holland, but also in the UK, in the US, that a lot of C-level people are thinking about closing their account because they don't want to be hit every day by four or five salespeople. So this is, in my opinion, a serious risk of LinkedIn. If they lose like the mass population, they will lose, of course, also their paying clients because if you can no longer reach the mass population, then why would we pay LinkedIn to reach it? So this is one of the scenarios. Um, Another one is, and you have seen uh, an acceleration of this since we have um, this, this, this COVID thing, is that a lot of people now jump on LinkedIn for remote selling, remote marketing, so instead of calling, instead of having these big events where you meet your clients, big, big network events, trading shows, we now all hop on LinkedIn and start using LinkedIn as a cold acquisition tool. You know, start making emails to people you do not know and just saying like, hi, VTech, I see you are the managing director of this company. Do you need my software? Sometimes it's, it's this blunt. I, I don't know if you, yes. do you, you recognize this, but I get them myself. I get emails like four, no, I, like, two or three a day where people trying to sell me stuff. I've never heard of the people. They don't pay any interest in my profile or my company. They're off target. And and this also is a risk. I have urged LinkedIn, please take care of your members, um, you know, well-being on LinkedIn. Because if they feel targeted, if they don't see more added value than spam coming to them, they will leave the platform and then you will leave and then you will lose a fair amount of of members. Um, Because I think eventually with the development power of both Microsoft and LinkedIn, they will create more and more synergy Mm -hmm. like between your email and your LinkedIn profile, which is already there. Um, Between your marketing campaigns, you can also see that um, there is a lot of integration with your CRM system, so it's 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 actually no, it's not becoming. It is a must-have business tool for all modern companies. You know, I, I don't see it as a social media platform anymore. I don't see it as the business Facebook or the more extended Twitter. It's it's not a social media platform. It's a business tool. Sure. 
you mentioned something very, very interesting and I think important that we all have, I think, I think we all have the experience with this uh, cold outreach. Um, somebody, you know, hitting you with the sales pitch straight away, you know, off target, as you, as you mentioned. But, um, and you mentioned that you uh, are talking, you are talking to, to LinkedIn about, you know, to fixing this. But uh, tell me, what, in your opinion, what can be done about this? Well, obviously, nobody's, nobody's reading the user agreements. <clears throat> Nobody is. We just click, yes, agree, and we move on. Because in the user agreements, it says something like, you should, um, it's prohibited to use automation tools, which a lot of people do. Um, it's prohibited um, to send invitations to people you do not know without any message. It's, it's in the user agreement, but very rare people read it. So. What they actually want us to do is to, you know, um, value our network and um, to behave like you want other people to respond to you. You know, just treat people like you want to be treated yourself. Mm. Um, so I think there are two reasons. One is what we can do ourselves. I have never done this until let's say six, seven months ago, but as from six, seven months ago, if I receive a spammy invite, I send them a message back and I say, hey, this is not the way how you should, you should use LinkedIn. Um, you are devaluating the platform by sending a spammy invite. I urge you to make a personal approach. Mm -hmm. If I don't get a reaction, and obviously 95% is not going to respond because they have sent this message to 200 people and they're only interested in the people who say, yes, let's, let's, let's give me a demo of yes, let's show me your products. So 95% will not respond. And then I flag the people. I flag the invite and I say, this is spam. And I don't care what LinkedIn does, but if a lot of people do this, if you receive a spammy automated invitation, you flag it as spam, LinkedIn will have a look in these profiles. And if they see anything like bulk messaging, bulk invites, they will restrict the profile. And normally, I've never done this. I've been on LinkedIn for 15 years. But if LinkedIn will not fix the problem themselves, it's about us members fixing this problem. Mm. And I, I don't mean if somebody reaches out to me with a personalized message and say, hey, Richard, I have seen your company is doing LinkedIn training. We have this great tool. And I was wondering if I could, if you are personal, I will respond. I will say, yes, let's have a chat. Or I will respond, no, I'm not interested. But automated bulky spammy messages and invites should be banned from the platform as soon as possible because it will devaluate the platform and brings the platform at risk because mm -hmm. people will no longer trust the platform. That brings me to another question which is which is connected with the automation tools and all that. You know, how, how would you say or how would you advise somebody uh, to look at these um, the messages, how to recognize the automated messages? Are there some some you know traits or some some kind of features which uh, which you would know that this is automated message? Yeah, there are there are a few possibilities. Um, let's make a distinction because you have two types of spammy bulk invites. One coming from a profile where you can easily see that this profile is not a real person, but somebody just, you know, got a picture, made up a profile in order to, you know, try to sell his stuff. You can see this from a very limited work experience, very few connections, or it will take you more time, but you can save the profile picture. So I click on the profile picture of this profile. 
most of the time they come at the same like it's all beautiful women or very well um men in a nice costume mainly from asian countries now if you click on the picture you save it and you upload it to google images google will see from who is the picture most of the time it's just identity fraud they just Mm -hmm. got this great picture from internet and put it on a profile. So if I see this again, I flag the profile and I say, hey, this is an identity fraud. If LinkedIn discovers this, which they will do very quickly, they will delete the profile. Mm -hmm. But most of the spam is coming from people who are real, but are just making abuse of the platform. So one thing I have done is, I don't know if you have seen it, but before my name is a little symbol. Copyright. I have I have used the copyright symbol, but you could use a, a flag or you could use a star, whatever you like. And some people think, what's the reason? Because normally I didn't do that. But automated tools, they pick up the first name and then send the bulk message. So if I receive an invitation which says, hi, copyright symbol, I know immediately this is a spam, this is a bot. So this is a very easy way to identify it. And a lot of people are doing this. Have a look in your network. I've seen more and more people putting a symbol before their name, and it's mostly done to recognize immediately the bots. Yeah, actually, I, I did the same, and I have like a little film clapper, uh, which which is you yeah. know this this one this one in front yeah. of my name. Again, yeah. the same same thing uh, in order to recognize the you know the spam message because actually the uh, the AI the artificial intelligence the you know the messages are getting really very very um, sophisticated and it's very yeah. difficult to actually recognize them right? Yes, yes. Another thing, our company page, the official name is just connecting. That's the official name, and we have just named our company page on LinkedIn just connecting, and then LinkedIn and social selling training. So if you would send me an invite and you would say, hey, Richard, I've seen you working at Just Connecting, you would never write Just Connecting dot LinkedIn and social selling. You would never write it because it will take you too much time. Mm -hmm. Now, if I see the company name written full out, I know it's a bot because they just grabbed your company name and they put it in there. Mm -hmm. So there are different. You, if you have a look on it, and especially if you receive a lot of bots, you will identify them very quickly. I know that you're an you're excellent expert in um, in social selling. You've been you've been on a platform for so many many years, and at the end of the day, the platform itself, uh, LinkedIn, is meant for business, right? It's meant for business connections. So, what would you say? Um, what is what is social selling on LinkedIn for you, or how how that should be done in a proper way? I'm I'm aware that I use in a lot of things in my newsletter in in almost everything I write on LinkedIn, I use the term social selling. I have been using as well modern selling or digital selling or even remote because of the name social selling is that a lot of people and especially people in boards of big companies, they are afraid that social selling means we're going to sell our stuff through social media. And if you go to this big IT company or to this big law firm, and the people think, oh, my God, we're going to sell through Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. You know, they get worried because we are the serious business. We don't want to sell our stuff to social media. So then I say, no, no, it's not selling through social media. It's selling in a social way or selling in a digital way, digital selling or selling in a modern way. And everybody understands remote selling now, you know, um, 
but for me, social selling is, um, it, it, it has everything to do with attitude because it's not only done online, it can only be done offline. If you receive a question from a client, which has nothing to do with your expertise, like if you receive a question and from the client who says, hey, I'm looking to renew my website. Do you know anybody who is, you know, who, who could do this? Then obviously the majority of us is going to think in his network and going to connect both this company with somebody in your network, which is, in my opinion, an ultimate form of social selling. Hey, there's nothing to gain, goodwill, but no money, but I'll do it nevertheless because of the network. Um, then it's about creating a professional brand. So, and it doesn't matter if you do this on LinkedIn or Instagram or whatever, but you have to create a professional brand that shows that you understand the challenges of your target group. Um, then you know how to identify your potential clients. So start inviting them, start making them a part of your network. And then it's all about contributing to the challenges. It's about sharing valuable insights. It's about uh, showing that you're an authority in your field of expertise. So people know that eventually when they have a question or when they you know, are in need of your expertise, they know where to find you. Mm -hmm. um, so it's about, and obviously, um, the social networks and especially LinkedIn, but also websites and also even Twitter and all the social media platforms can be used to both identify your potential client, but also to follow what they are posting, to follow what are their developments on their side, you know, and to just reach out on the most relevant time as possible. You mentioned something uh, again, very, uh, very interesting point, you know, becoming an expert or becoming um, more visible with your with your value added information with the information that um, that will make some sense to your clients to to your audience which is following you um, what is um, what is from this perspective important for you so how to create more visibility for you for yourself for your personal brand on LinkedIn there are a few ways to do that first you need to create your professional brand very strongly on LinkedIn because LinkedIn, it's, it's very well attached to Google. It's very well indexed by Google. So if you make sure you build your brand with your potential customer in mind, so it's, it's no longer your curriculum vitae. It isn't. It's your professional brand towards your target group, towards your challenges. So it has to do with the visual elements of your profile. It has to do with the about section. It has to do with the media you feature on your profile, the blogs you are writing. So this is all about you. Then you need to have ambassadors. If you're working online, you need to have ambassadors. Ambassadors could be the ones who endorse your profile, could be the clients who write a recommendation, but it's also the people who are willing to share, comment, like your content. Because if they engage, they will spread the news. So it's also about managing your ambassadors and even facilitate them in how they can do this, okay? Um, and then of course, it's looking in your network for other people, maybe who have the same target group, but are not necessarily competitors to you know, see if you can um, work together in certain kind of expertise. Because for example, if I have a software company that at this moment is um, selling and providing training on remote working, on Zoom, on Teams, they have the same 
potential clients, they have the same sales teams who need to work remotely. So if I can team up with them and say, okay, what can we do together? Maybe we can do how to get away, show them how to use um, video calls and I show them how to use LinkedIn. And then you reach even more people. Um, and also this podcast, Vitek, which you and I've done plenty of them in the past few weeks, um, it will always bring you more rich because, you know, if, if other people spread the word, um, then in the end, it will, it will provide you with more reach. It will also provide you with more credibility because if we ourselves are constantly telling that we are the expert, obviously it weighs much lesser than if other people tell that you're the expert. Again, uh, very, very interesting, interesting points which you which you mentioned, and we, um, which is almost um, uh, you know talking about. Um, I I know the term growth hacking, or or you know um, it's um, basically creating a collaboration which are win-win situation for both parties, which will bring added value uh, you know to each each of those of those parties, and it actually. Uh, it reminds me one story of a Dropbox when they started, um, you know, they were actually growth hacking their, their way to the market and uh, they were offering whenever you refer, you know, another person, you will get, I think, 50 megabytes of or, or, or one or whatever it was, um, I don't remember. Yeah. And it, that was, that was the, the way how they collaborated with, um, the, as you mentioned, the ambassadors, right? Yeah, there are different ways. There are, there are the incentives ways, as you now demonstrated. If you do something, you get something in return. Um, but it's all the mutuality. For example, I have made a list in my Sales Navigator uh, subscription, and most of the people that use Sales Navigator only for acquisition of new clients, but I also use Sales Navigator for customer retention, for you know, um, becoming and staying top of mind with my clients. So I have made a list in Sales Navigator. I have listed 200 clients and all the contact persons and every week I check it twice or three times. What are they saying? What are they sharing? And if they share um, what I call good news, like we have a new product, we have a new office, we have uh, a new client, or we have a vacancy, I always comment to it. I always say, hey, that's very nice to hear. Or um, does anybody in my network is looking for a very interesting job with a, with a great company? So, um, I stay on top of their content. And if you do this, obviously they will do the same for you. So if I make a post, then I can see the majority of my clients respond positively to my post as well. Mm-hmm. So there are, there are different ways how to do this. And it will take you some effort. It will take you some time. It will take you months, could be a year before it starts rolling. But if it rolls, you can see continuously that it's working and that it will provide you with leads and interesting business contacts and everything. If you like to turn your LinkedIn into a lead generating tool, you should consider to enroll in our LinkedIn business audit session. This 45 minute strategic call will give you answers you're looking for. We will show you a step-by-step strategy of what you need to do on LinkedIn in order to start generating business and land clients from your LinkedIn activities. Interested? Send your request to marketing at squaremotion.me or click on the link in the show notes of this podcast. Thank you. Richard, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, uh, how, 
how do you do your outreach on LinkedIn for your clients? Um, are there any specific strategies which you have? I mean, are you, I know just you mentioned one that you basically, you're going after, you know, retaining your clients and staying on top of the mind. Are there some other strategies which you use in order to, to reach to, to your clients on LinkedIn? I have one strategy that is having a very high conversion. I don't use it very much because until now I have been in a lucky position that I have a lot of recurring clients and that almost every client brings me another client. So, um, but if I would look at my agenda for like say 2021, I would say, okay, I can use, you know, some, some new clients. Then what I do, I identify my clients. So I go to sales navigator and I, that mainly my focus is on companies and with teams or with marketing departments. Um, but obviously, my biggest clients, they have like 400, 500 sales reps internationally because then we can do a social selling program, then we can train more people and it adds up. The more people we train, the more synergy you create, the more pool you get to the market. It's, it's obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I do then, I go to Sales Navigator, I, I, I make a search in a specific um, area specific industry and then I go for the for the companies that are both having a lot of salespeople but also are growing because if companies are growing you know you know very blunt said there is money if they're growing they might still want to invest in training and and then I identify my contact persons most of the time it could be the CCO like chief commercial officer or a chief marketing officer or so this is my um my prospects, and then I reach out to them with an invitation. So I don't use the end mail, but I use a connection invitation and it goes something like, hey, Vitek, um, through a mutual connection, I found your profile. I see that you are uh, in sales. Uh, I have been working in sales for 20 years and on my LinkedIn profile, I share a lot of insights about modern selling. This might be interesting, wanna connect. So actually say we have something mutual you're in sales, I'm in sales, I share valuable stuff, which I think is, is very valuable. And you might, uh, might be of your interest, let's connect. 80% of these people I reach out to, so mind you, prospects, 80% accept. And then I have a follow-up message, which is not, hey, thanks for accepting, uh, can we do a call? Because then, you know, you're ruining the relationship instantly. No, my follow-up message is more or less like, thanks for accepting. I have this great piece of content. I have this great research where my clients say they have too great value from it. Can I send it to you? So I trigger them and I say, I have this valuable piece of research. It will make life easier for you as a sales manager because it will give you tips on how your sales team can leverage LinkedIn or how they can you know, get some quick wins. And then I don't send it, but I ask, can I send it to you? And then half of my new connections, 50%, they say, yeah. Why not just send it to me? So then I send them the document and this document is, it's pure gold. It's not on my website. It's a unique document, especially for that I use for acquisition. Mm-hmm. And then after one week, I follow up and I say, okay, have you had a chance to look at the document? What do you think of it? And again, half of them say it was really nice. Uh, we took great value from it. And then I say, okay, would a 30 minute call at this point be interesting to know more of each other's challenges and see if we can collaborate? And if you have the funnel, it will bring me somewhere between 20, 25 percentage of conversion from cold outreach 
mm-hmm. to video calls, which is at this moment is very high because on average, um, the numbers are somewhere between four to 6% on average. Mm-hmm. So this is my preferred way of working, connecting because of mutual interest and added value, providing the added value in your follow-up message, which builds your credibility, builds your authority, and then follow up. And then just by my gut feeling, I feel whether this is the right moment to ask for a video call or uh, another way of, of meeting. Yeah. Um... I think it's very, very important to have the proper strategy and as you mentioned, something, um, the word, um, you need to have a funnel. You need to have the, you know, you need to connect the dots Uh, because sometimes what I see that people, they're getting lost in chit-chatting on on LinkedIn. So they they start, they kind of like, uh, you know, how is, how are you and how is, how is the weather and all that. And they cannot get out of that because... Uh, you know, they don't know how to bridge that into that business kind of connection or business kind of conversation. Or on the other hand, they straight away start to selling their stuff, which will, you know, get obviously a rejection, right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of more and more salespeople, luckily, they, they understand that they, you simply cannot connect to someone you have never met, who have never heard from you and ask in your connection request for a demo or a meeting or a appointment. You can, it, 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 it shows a lack of respect in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and the majority of salespeople, they, they are getting this now. So they are making this great like, hey, mutuality, hey, uh, senior profile, really cool, would you like to connect? And then whenever they get an acceptance, they ruin it because their follow-up is exactly the same. Hey, thanks for connecting. When can I give you a call? Because we have this great service. No, you didn't build any relationship. You didn't build any trust. Um, You just connected. So start building trust, start building your authority. You need to prove it to your newly connection that you have added value. And then you can ask for time. It will cost you longer in the process, but at the bottom of the funnel, you will have five, six, seven times more appointments. And quality appointments. Uh, I just heard recently nice saying, people like to buy, they don't like to be sold to. And I think um, people like to buy from people they like and trust. Um, So you need to first build that likability and trust and rapport, right? So that's uh, that's important. And LinkedIn is actually a fantastic platform to do that, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's my, obviously, it's my main platform. But a lot of my clients, and mind you, Vitek, I have clients in all different industries, from government, law practice, financial, insurance, IT, but even industrials, even like Shell or, or, or RL or BP, I have trained some of their B2B salespeople. Um, so it's not that people look at me and say, yeah, it's easy for him because his, his service is LinkedIn. No. Every company with a B2B market can have success on LinkedIn if you have the right strategy, if you have the right attitude, and if you have the time to build relations. Mm-hmm. Richard, uh, we know about you that you are uh, a part of, of course, great expert in selling on LinkedIn or, or, um, or social selling, but you also like to experiment. And um, I know that you're sharing all your different experiments with LinkedIn algorithm and, and different features. Um, I would like to ask you, um, what, what experiment are you carrying on right now? The algorithm is, 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 is changing. So I did a research, we did a research last year, August. We redid it and published the results in October, which is the research you are referring to. Um, and I think 
the period in between, which is a complete year, is too long because it's now so so rapidly changing. So we are thinking about having a more um, fragmented research every three months. So we just take a specific element from the algorithm and do a research every three months and then every year publish the complete research. Um, now what I'm currently into with some help from an external company is how to use LinkedIn to generate leads in an international environment. Because you're from the Czech Republic, you live in Dubai, I'm from Holland, I live in Spain, and we can both you know, have a conversation about six, seven, eight different intercultural aspects that makes the sales culture in Czech Republic completely different from Dubai and the Spanish from Holland. So if you are based in Holland and you sell your stuff to Dutch companies, obviously there's no problem of language, there's no problem of culture, but if you are Dutch and you sell your products on Monday to Asian countries and on Tuesday to Arabic countries, you need to know not only how the people behave offline, but also how do they make use of LinkedIn? How do I set up my message? For example, in Holland, I could, I could write a message to you and say, hi, Vitek, even if I've never heard of you, hi, Vitek. But if you do this in the German countries, you have a serious problem because there I would say, hi, Mr. Ladislav, you know, because in those intercultural aspects um, within LinkedIn, um, this is what really is interesting because then I can say to somebody from France who has a target to sell his stuff in Europe, hey, make sure if you go to Eastern Europe to do this, hey, make sure if you go to an Arabic country, make sure to start your message in this way. In some countries, building a relationship will last you like six, seven messages, where in other countries, you can start talking business in the first message. Hmm. So this, to me, could be a very interesting uh, research as well. Hmm. Uh, it's actually, um, um, I, I, had, I had one podcast guest um, uh, previously from Japan and uh, they were sharing that Japanese uh, LinkedIn users, they don't like to post because they don't want the company to see any of their opinions or any of their thoughts, you know, they, they are afraid of this. They kind of withdrawing themselves from, from the platform. So for them, it's very, very difficult to actually interact from that sense. So, yeah. But also, also, this could also be because of company policies. Like in Holland, there are very few companies that, that have policies on how their staff, their, their self should behave. It's more like, okay, use your common sense. That's it. Well, if you go to Switzerland, Germany, you would have like policies of 30 pages. You cannot do this on LinkedIn. You could not do this. You need to have a disclaimer. You need... And then people don't feel confident anymore. They don't feel you know, enthusiastic anymore to post anything. So they just become quiet and silent on LinkedIn, which in my opinion is a shame mm -hmm. because sales is a people to people's business. You need to be present. You need to create posts. You need to be authentic as well. Um, so you need to have the room to build your own posts. Mm -hmm. And if the room is taken by, then it's a severe damage to your sales strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, Richard, you mentioned that uh, that research which you which you posted just recently, about a month ago, or a few a few weeks ago, for that matter. Uh, was there anything in the research which kind of like a really caught your attention and surprised you in some way or another? If I if I need to pick, let's say, two things, um, I would go for one, 
that LinkedIn still values interaction on posts. And by interaction, they don't mean necessarily like or share, but they mean comment. Mm -hmm. So they want us to be and stay on the platform and comment on other people's content. And if you, as an author of a post, receive engagement, they want you as an author to respond to this engagement. Mm -hmm. uh, and they value this. You can see all the numbers going up when people are commenting and giving comments on comments on posts. So this is still, this was the case already one year ago, but it's still there. And the second one, especially compared to last year, is the impact of dwell time on LinkedIn. Uh, as you probably know, LinkedIn has introduced dwell time somewhere in February, March this year which means that they are measuring the amount of seconds, the amount of time you are hovering over a post. And if you stop scrolling, then they think you might be reading. So they think you might be engaging, regardless that you're not pushing like or comment, but you are still there. Mm -hmm. And the second one, we have the see more button in the post. If you have more than three sentences, there's a see more button. And if you click on those, this is also a form of engagement because you want to know more. And since they have implemented, you can see an increase of long text posts because if you have long text, they click on see more and they need to have simply, they, it will take them more time to read. Mm -hmm. And you can also see an increase of views with both video and documents because with both type of posts, if I click on your video for a minute, I'll stay on your post while watching the video. And if you have a document like a slideshow with some very interesting research, as long as I'm going to the slideshow, I stay on your post. Mm -hmm. uh, and even an external link has now more reach than a year ago. Mm -hmm. So the impact of dwell time is, is something to take into consideration if you are um, working from a company page or from your own page and, and want to engage with your, uh, with your target audience. What about what about LinkedIn hashtags? I know that uh, uh, hashtags on LinkedIn are very very different for for example from hashtags on as we know it for example on Instagram. But um, what um, what have you researched around around, um, around hashtags and what are your what are your findings there? Well, first frequency. Um, it used to be three. You can still use three for the same results, but you can also use up to nine without us seeing any different results. If you use more than nine, um, we have seen that LinkedIn is limiting the views because might be because they don't want to be the next Instagram. They don't want to support hashtag spam. Uh, but also if you use zero, one or two, you get less of views uh, than if you use three between nine. And I think that hashtags could become more or less a new community on LinkedIn because uh, the activity in LinkedIn groups is, is very poor. It has been very poor for years. Um, but for example, I have a hashtag LinkedIn by Richard van der Blom. And um, if I give tips or insights in a post, at the bottom of the post, it's always, if you want to see more hash, if you want to see more tips on LinkedIn or social sharing, just follow the hashtag. And I have currently about 800 people following the hashtag. So this is actually my community around my hashtag. So if I post something with a hashtag and presumably they check it every week, it will bring them to a feed with only my content. So this is also the advice I give to companies, create your own hashtag, not only your name, um, nothing like general. I had this um, accountancy firm and they said, okay, let's have accountant tips. No, because any accountant firm can use accountant tips. Okay. You want to have your own community. So for example, use your company name to get with insights or tips 
and start building your, your network on, um, on the hashtag. So this, I think, could be very interesting. There are some rumors. It has not been confirmed by LinkedIn that next year it will become possible to do a marketing campaign on a hashtag. So for example, I could make a sponsored update and target all the people that follow hashtag LinkedIn in a certain kind of, this would make sense to me. Okay, uh, that's, that's, very, very, that's very interesting as well. Um, uh, <laughs> we were talking about, about um, um, all the positive uh, features on LinkedIn, I would say. What about things which you don't like about LinkedIn? Uh, are, there, are, there, I mean, <laughs> are there some things which you would really see that LinkedIn will change? Well, we've, we, we have discussed uh, already about people making abuse of the platform. Um, so I think spammy invites is one I, I absolutely don't like. And I think LinkedIn should do better to, you know, make sure that I'm not becoming a target or automated bot, but we've discussed that. Um, sometimes I think that LinkedIn is following the other platforms with, for example, LinkedIn Live, or LinkedIn Stories, where I seriously have doubts if it has added value because the majority of LinkedIn people are not the same as the Instagram people. Um, and you can see it in the statistics as well. LinkedIn Live does not have very uh, good statistics. Um, LinkedIn Stories has just kicked up. Maybe it's too soon to draw a conclusion, but I know very few people who use it effectively might come, might be the learning curve. Um, for me, what I personally, but pure personally don't like is any kind of censorship. Mm -hmm. And there has been some censorship since we have COVID, since we have measurements, people who um, are not very positive about the measurements, about the governments, especially in Holland, in the UK, they have been censorship. They have been removed from LinkedIn, their posts have been removed. And pure from a personal point of view, um, I would rather have people express their feelings, even if it's not my opinion, than, you know, somewhere in the LinkedIn office or where they are based, deleting posts, deleting profiles, because their opinion is not the same as what we all should think. So, and it happens on all the social media platforms. We have heard, especially in the, U in the US elections, people are getting banned from Twitter, from Facebook. Um, but I think this is one of the main concerns for me as a person uh, to be active in, in, in this era, in this you know, time where we are currently living in. Mm -hmm. um, because access to information and expressing your feelings, expressing your opinion is, is very valuable to me. Mm -hmm. uh, Richard, we are almost at the end of this, uh, this year, 2020, which has been pretty challenging uh, for, yeah. for many, many businesses. Um, what would you wish for 2021 to be um, in terms of LinkedIn? And what is your outlook for LinkedIn in the near future? Um, and what was your first question again, Peter? Um, so, so just assess, assess the situation as it was in 2020. And what, what do you think that, you know, what would, what would you like to be uh, on the LinkedIn in 2021? Well, obviously a lot of people, even people who had an account on LinkedIn, but were not using it, they are now, you know, turning to LinkedIn as, as being one of their sources to do remote selling or remote marketing or whatever, or remote networking. And 
I think we will be in this situation definitely until summer 2021, maybe even the complete 2021. So I think people are coming more and more aware that they need to adapt their strategy. They need to adapt the way how they use LinkedIn in order to stay or become successful. So I think a lot of people, companies will have a very steep learning curve on LinkedIn. Mm. I'm currently working on uh, a training program, which is all around remote selling because remote selling, obviously it's not only LinkedIn, it's the way how you do your video calls with your clients. It's the way how you write emails that convert, you know, um, so I think more and more people and businesses will invest in remote competences and skills of this of their sales force. And if you are an entrepreneur, you should as well. Um, and I think this will have an impact on the quality we will see in the upcoming year on LinkedIn. I hope we will receive less spammy invites, but more of invites that provide value. Our targeting will become better. The way how we produce and analyze content will become better. So I'm looking very positive to next year because this playground and our next year, I think it will also be possible for you as a company or as an entrepreneur to distinguish yourself from the people who are, who are not using it properly. Mm. If you start using LinkedIn as a, a very powerful business network, if you act authentic, if you invest in building relationships, building trust, 2021 could become a very interesting year. So let's hope so. Richard, um, I'm pretty sure that we could carry on with our discussion for another couple of hours and still have a lot to talk about, but um, we need to draw the line somewhere. And um, so before we go, um, I would like to ask you, uh, can you, can you tell us where people can find more about you? I, I can assume on LinkedIn, right? Um, give us, give us some, some contact details. Yeah, obviously they can find me on LinkedIn, luckily. My name is Richard van der Blom. So if you find me, just send me an invite, make it personal, uh, and I'm glad, glad, uh, glad to accept. Um, I have a newsletter on LinkedIn. It's called Social Selling Insights. You can see it in the featured sexy of my profile. So just sign up. Uh, I post on a, a, a bi-weekly uh, interval. Um, it's, it's packed with um, you know, tips, insights. They are for free. Um, I have a website, www.justconnecting.nl. It's Dutch, but there is also an English version. And there you can see the trainings we are doing, the in-company trainings, whether it's for marketing, for sales navigator, for recruitment. Um, and obviously, you can send me an, an, an email, which is Richard van der Blom at justconnecting.nl. So... It's very hard not to find me with <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. <laughs> Richard, um, it, was, it was absolutely fantastic to have you on the show. Um, I'm really happy that we, we, could, um, we could have this time together. And I thank you for your time. And I hope to see you on, on our future episode uh, again very soon. Yeah, let's make an agreement because I, I definitely like the podcast. I definitely like your questions and your enthusiasm. So, um, yeah, let's make that a deal. <laughs> Thank you, Richard. Thank you very much for listening. Please make sure that you subscribe to our LinkedIn Smart Podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcast. We would really appreciate it. Thank you and see you next time. Be LinkedIn Smart. LinkedIn Smart Podcast was brought to you by Square Motion, a video marketing agency in Dubai. 
need an engaging LinkedIn video, go to squaremotion.me. Thank you.